Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. So I want to encourage you to receive the word of the Lord tonight and receive what the Lord has to say uh, to you. Go with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I've been sharing a little bit this week, and I was actually out of the pulpit Sunday morning. I heard Gretchen did a phenomenal uh, um, service of ministry uh, to the church Sunday morning and the word that she shared. And, and trust you me, I've heard it. Uh, Stuart and Gretchen, if you know our son Stuart, Stuart and Gretchen have something in common. And Gretchen, she's here, so don't think I'm talking behind her back. She's just in starting points. And she's doing the last class in there. Uh, but Gretchen and Stuart are repeat preachers. Okay, what I mean by that is when you say, hey, how did it go? They will tell you the whole sermon. They will sit there. Now, that's how I met Gretchen. When I met Gretchen, it was in Outreach Ministries of Alabama, and her dad was donating some freezers uh, to the ministry. And so Jim Summers, under the unction, inspiration of God, said, Greg, I need you to go with me to go get these freezers. I had not seen her yet. I'd seen her picture, but I had not seen her yet in live and in person there. Because when she came out to sing, the night that I was in OMA, Joe was sitting in that seat right there, and she was sitting in the back. And somehow they let her come out and sing to OMA. And the Lord said, do not look at her. Keep your eyes closed the whole time. Okay, and kind of like Jesus, be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so I did not look at her, and she thought that was really strange. I didn't. I mean, the old me would have winked at her going down the aisle, tripped her, helped her up, you know, gave her a seat. I mean, just let her faint, hold her in my arms, you know. But the new me just just died to the self. Okay, died to the self. And so I went out to the restaurant that her dad had. It's the what used to be O'Brien's towards Huntsville there, and uh, we're sitting at the big table. They're feeding us lunch afterwards, and they had just planted the church that Pastor Dub uh, founded, Faith Christian Fellowship. And Gretchen started. To, I said, "Well, what did he preach? What was the message?" And that's the first time I thought she preached the whole message. And it was about David and Goliath. And she got to that part. She got up and she's acting like Goliath. She's doing like, I mean, she is like dramatizing the whole thing. And I said, that's my girl right there. That is my girl right there. So I know that she preached a good message. I heard it. John chapter 15. This is something I've been, this has been stirring in my heart, my spirit. The Lord dropped it on me Sunday morning, uh, thinking that I was going to go preach somewhere and, and that I was going to preach a message. And the Lord said, no, I want you to share a message. He said, I want you to share a message as if it's an invitation. And all, and in those moments... I know the church that I was ministering, and I love them. They're part of our EMIF, and, and they're incredible people. But in that moment, and in moments like that, I think about you guys. I think about this house, and I, and I think about this like, Lord, that would be so sweet and so rich. And, and he said, well, you'll have a time. There'll be another day, son. You, you, you can go there. And, and so uh, when he dropped on me, he said, it's like an invitation. Now, here's the interesting thing about an invitation. An invitation can be sent to somebody uh, who already knows what's going on. Have you ever gotten a wedding invitation? Like, oh yeah, I knew they're getting married. Right? And you knew the date, you knew everything. But you already knew it. How many of y'all have ever gotten an invitation? You know, okay. And so you get that. So that's because you're in proximity of the one who's making the invitation. You know them. You have a closer relationship with them. But you still know that you need to be identified that you're included and you're involved. And so you may know exactly what I'm talking about. You may be living it but yet you're still invited into another degree of it. I know people said, I was at your parents' wedding. 
And now I'm at your wedding. And, and so they've been there. So there's a relationship. So you, maybe you've been in a certain aspect of Christianity, but he's inviting you into another stage of it, another degree of it. Does that make sense? The other invitation shows up and people go, I didn't know they're getting married. Come on. Anybody like that? I did, I did not know. Or kind of like pregnant. I didn't know she was pregnant. I had no idea. You don't know because you're not in the inner circle, right? You're not there in the inner circle. And so it's new news to you. You know it exists. You know there's the possibility, but you don't know it personally. So what I'm getting ready to the invitation, maybe some people say, well, I know there was something, but I didn't know there was that. And I didn't know that I could be it. And then there's some people uh, that, that it's just a reminder of what they had already been told, but they forgot. That happens to me all the time. I'm like, Gretchen, they're getting married? She's like, yes, Hannah's getting married. I'm like, I didn't know. I thought, I thought Abby was. I didn't know, you know, just little, that didn't really happen. Don't, that didn't really happen. So, so then there's times that you get an invitation. You go, this happens all the time. And you go over and you're like, who's that? What are they doing on my refrigerator? I don't know those people. Yeah, I, I've never, and of course, they're in their glamour shots, so they don't really look like that every time. You're like, oh, that's who that is. I didn't realize. So there's some people that are here tonight have no clue, zero clue, that you can be invited into what he's getting ready to invite you into. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, somebody say in me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What did he just say there? He said, every branch that's grafted into me, every branch that is in me, everybody that's going to church who doesn't bear fruit, everybody who says they're a Christian, but they're not bearing the fruit of Christianity. I'm just going with the words of Jesus. He said, every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He cuts away. And he says, and everyone that does bear fruit, hopefully, trustfully, that is you, he said, I'm going to prune them back. So nowhere did he ever say, I want you just to keep producing that one fruit. I want to cut it back so you can produce more fruit, abundant fruit. So in nowhere is he saying, I just want you to keep growing your fruit. I'm going to cut it back sometimes so you can grow new fruit. Not just keep adding fruit to the fruit that you're already growing. So it's not about becoming the bushel. It's not about becoming the barn. It's just being the branch. Did you hear me? It's just being the branch. I touched on this a few weeks ago. I think it might be what's part of what inspired it. Is that Jesus is, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. And we talked about knowing the I am. And all the I am's that he is are literally powerful words, powerful statements here. But he's saying that you can be the extension of that. When you're the graft, you and I should be the light of the world. When we're not being the light of the world, we're not producing fruit. We should be bread of life. When we're not being bread of life, we're not producing fruit. We should be resurrection life. We should be adored. We should be good shepherds. We should be all those. Listen to me. We should be according to Jesus. But because we learn how to do church, we think we just need to be a member. We think just need to be a tender. We think we just need to be a giver. We, we, we find all these checklists that we're going through. No, we should be abiding in Christ. 
We should be dwelling in Christ, and that way that we're dwelling, that should be coming out of our lives. Now listen, you, you've heard it there numerous times. He's not looking for a perfect picture. He's just looking for a picture he can perfect. And what I'm looking for right now is not a perfect clock. It's just one he can drive back about 30 minutes so I'd have a little bit more time with you. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Listen, you don't have to prune me. Now, I don't have to cut you off. You don't have to cut them off, and you don't have to prune them. He'll take care of that. Let's quit trying to do his work and just do his work. He said, if you believe in me, you'll do the same works I do and greater works. Listen to me, friends. It is work to be a Christian. There is labor required. Your gift and your salvation is free, absolutely free. But your discipleship and your following Jesus cost you your life, which is the ultimate seed that you could sow. You could sow a million dollars and it'd be nothing compared to sowing yourself. Did you hear me? You could sow $10 and it'd be nothing compared to sowing yourself. The biggest seed you could sow is you because you ain't nothing but a seed. I mean, you go back to, to procreation, you are a seed. You are a seed. And you develop and you grew. And guess what? You grew branches. You grew all these members inside of you. You're a reflection of what your seed could do in somebody else's life. Are you with me? He says here, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now, you, you need to kind of journey through John. You've been doing it this week with us and, and, and see how many red letters there are before 15. He's saying all this stuff I already said to you has made you clean. The word of God cleanses you. It purifies you, okay? It converts your soul. You and I need a relationship with the word of God. The word of God is a seed. It continues. You don't have to worry about if you get cut back, whether you'll ever live again. There's always seed coming every time you come to the word. There's reproduction that comes in your life. Let's go down to verse four. Jesus says this. He says all this to say this, abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. Now, to abide has a lot of different defining uh, points to it. One is to dwell. One is to be, in, to be patient, okay? Think about patience, okay? What's well, Jesus saying? Live in me. Make your abode in me. But think about patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you will be complete and lacking in nothing. That's a pretty good deal. Just don't be anxious for anything but through prayer. So your dwelling, what does abiding in Christ look like? It means being patient with Christ. Don't try to rush him. Don't try to hurry him. Don't try to plow through it. Don't try to make it happen for yourself. Uh, don't get anxious. Don't take the bull by the horns. You follow what I'm saying? Be patient. And I believe that when you're patient... When you're being patient, you're becoming a good patient, and he can work out in you and heal in you and restore in you what he needs to do in you. Because usually our anxieties and our anxiousness and our hurriedness and our, and our self-will is because there's, there's something hurting inside of us. There's something painful. There's something that's troubling us, and we react instead of respond. And to abide also means uh, to endure, to endure. I mean, uh, you're, you're just going to have to suffer 
somewhat. Uh, we tell uh, uh, the students, and I think Gretchen mentioned this long ago, is that, you know, you have to live with 10 other students to learn how to live with one more person the rest of your life. Right? I had to go to OMA and live with all those guys as roommates so I could learn to live with one person and 12 more. And so you have to learn endurance, endurance. Jesus said this. He said, he said in Matthew 24, 13, in the great discourse of the end times, which I don't have to prophesy them to you. I don't have to, to predict them to you. Jesus already said it. He already said it. He said, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm telling you, it is dot your I's and cross your T's right now in the day we're living in of what Jesus said. But he says, they who endure. So somehow he has, he has put a plausible pause over there and says, he says, these people, they who endure to the end shall be saved. So in other words, what he's saying is that you need endurance. So what he's really saying to them is you just need to abide in me until the end. Make it your dwelling place. Being a Christian for us may not be as fun as it might have been for them or for somebody else. Okay? It could be difficult. It could be trying. Another definition for abide is to wait. I won't be able to give you all the definitions tonight, but to wait. To literally wait. Just wait a minute. And to not yield yourself to something else. So it's a doing by not doing. When you're not doing something, you're still doing something. You are warding off, keeping off, hindering from. And so you're learning to wait on the Lord in the midst of. Does that make sense? You know the example I use. The best example I can get for waiting is a waiter or a waitress. Is it a waiter comes in, a waitress comes in, and you're not ready? They, they're still waiting on you. Oh, yeah, they're waiting on you. And they might be pouring water. They might be bringing silverware. There's other little things they can be doing. They're serving while they're waiting. So it doesn't mean to be the Christian who's just going to sit on his laurels and not do anything. You continue to serve what you know needs to be done to be ready and prepared so that when the time comes that he gives the order, you're ready to carry out the order and the task is at hand. You can give your full attention to it. Okay, so abiding. And now watch this. Jesus, in the early stage of his ministry, John the Baptist is, is discipling some people. So discipleship did not start with Jesus. It was in the forerunning preparation seasons to follow Jesus. John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me stop here in a second. Did you hear what I just said? John the Baptist preached the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't know why we keep carrying our sin when we have a Jesus who can take our sin away. Well, that's my weakness. No, that's your excuse. He can take it away. He can remove it from you. Just as he forgives it, he can remove it as far as the east is from the west. That's a long ways away. Are you with me? And so he takes what's in. And the second day, he just simply says, behold the lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. In other words, he said, don't take your eyes off that guy. Follow him. That is the king. That is the Lord. That is, that is life right there. You, that's the way you guys go and release them to him. And so they started to follow him. And then they're following him. They're following him so close, so near to him. Jesus is like, turns around. Have you ever turned around and bumped into somebody? You're like, excuse me, can I help you? Right? I mean, it's kind of that moment. He turns around and he says, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And I want to ask you to ask yourself that question. 
on a regular basis. What are you seeking? It should be more in the who, but sometimes the who's connected to the what. Because they've been watching this guy. They've been watching his ministry. And they're like, man, things don't frazzle him. Things don't upset him. Things, and they're seeing stature. He hadn't done any miracles yet. He hadn't done any wonders yet. Nothing like that. But they're watching. There's something different. When he would talk, when he'd share scripture, and there's, there's something different about him. And he said, what do you seek? And they said, uh, where do you stay? Where do you dwell? Where do you abide? They were attracted to the abiding of Jesus. They were attracted to it. They want to know where to, because wherever you go, when you're not with us, whatever it is that's going on there makes you like this out here. So we want to learn to abide. To abide means to be in, to be in, to remain, uh, uh, to not uh, 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 be fluttered or flustered, to abide, to dwell on. It's the example of the bee on the flower. It's in the abiding that the bee gets the, the nectar or the pollen and gets what it takes to make the honey. Are you with me? And so we need to learn to abide in Christ, to dwell in Christ. He said, abide in me and I in you. Now, I'm just going to share it as the word says. And I looked at all the translations. They all stayed that way. Is it first things first is abide in me. Love God. First things first. So the first thing is we need to be more concerned about abiding in him instead of concerned about whether he's still in us. He said, and I will abide in you. My point is this. You don't have to worry about him abiding in you. He has already promised he will never leave you, forsake you. And don't jump to some theology and doctrinology right now. I'm talking about relationship. I'm not talking about what church said and other church said. This is between you and him. He will be faithful. You just need to make sure you stay in him. The Bible says if you walk in the spirit, if I walk in the spirit, I will not. I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if I stay in the spirit, it did not say because you got the Holy Ghost in you and because you got the shakes on Sunday morning and because you got a hubba bubba tongue that you will not sin. It didn't say that. So having Christ in me is the hope of glory. He keeps me hope. He gives me hope. But I need to be in Christ. I need to be in the spirit. My responsibility is abiding and dwelling in him. How can this happen? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I had a situation the other day and, and somebody handed me something and somebody instructed me to do something. I don't really know this person, but they passed something off. It was required some time of mine. I could go on about the whole situation there, but I, I don't need to. And so I'm walking back and I have this thing and I only have a small window of preparation to get ready for what I'm doing next that day. And, and, I'm, and I looked and I, and I told Hannah and Austin, I said, I said, it's these kind of things that give you the challenge to abide. Somebody wanted me to write something in, in a book that I wrote. And my mind is wanting to go over here and think this way. And over there, and to think that thought, I know none of y'all have those kind of problems. I understand that. I get that. You're here so I can become a better person. I get it. I get it. 
You see, when my mind goes to a negative, condescending, disagreeable thought, judgmental, where your mind could be right now, you might not be abiding in Christ. You say, well, brother, I'm, I'm in church and bless God, I'm covered in the blood. I understand. But your mind is not loving God right now. Did you hear me? Your mind is not loving it. So now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're derailed and you're going over here. Now your attitude, your personality, how you do things is all, is all cankered by what you've been thinking. That's not abiding in Christ. We, we got to learn to stay in the straight and narrow. If the straight and narrow is here and I start walking around, I'm not abiding in Christ. You abide in Christ in your mind. Your thoughts are stayed upon him, and he'll keep you in perfect peace. You abide in Christ in his word. He who, he who continues in my word will be my disciple indeed, and he'll know the truth, and the truth will make him free. You learn to abide by staying in his presence, and, and that where there's fullness of joy, and where there's the essence, and you're aware of the presence of God, you abide in Christ by doing the will of God. Not your own will. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, but I came to do the one, the will, the one who sent me. Now you say, well, I don't know that I'm sent like Jesus. You sang it tonight. I'm going to help you believe it tonight. Before you're even in your mother's womb, he knew me and he knew you. He chose you. John 15 says, I chose you. You did not choose me. It might not have been the prettiest way that you came into this world, but I'm here to tell you the glorious one created you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I think it's interesting why they say pro-choice. Like they think they could have a choice bigger than his. That's really where the battle is. It's still in the mind. It's in the concept of the mind. It's amazing people want the pleasure, but they don't want the responsibility. You made the choice when you got into bed. You made the choice when you got in the back seat of the car. You made the choice. I'm not trying to be political. I'm being scriptural. Being scriptural. God creates people. And he knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. Don't worry about how you came into the world. Be more concerned about how you're going to exit the world. That's what's going to make the difference in your life. Are you hearing me? Listen to me. I will, I will jump to a side here just a little bit. You can shoot me off if you want. You have a decision. Come here. Don't come here. I get it. I get it. Thank you. They're all starting to lead to a number. So many weeks. Even our side. Conservatives are going over there. Well, abortion. Don't let the culture, the government's on his shoulder, his mind's in his head. Be careful what you get yoked to. Friends, I believe in procreation. I believe in, in, in God creating people even before they're in their mother's womb. That's the Bible. It's the word of God. Are you with me? And that you're his thought. You're his plan. Let's stand to our feet. You want to abide in him. Watch this. Your first nine months of life was abiding with no effort. Hear what I just said. The first nine months of your life. I've, I've, I've had the encounter of knowing many, yet one, and many pregnant women. They're beautiful. Beautiful. 
There's just something, and there's so much life. There's so much happening there. And when you and I abide in Christ, we need to do it without effort. We need to enjoy it. We need to embrace it. We need to accept it. We need to realize this is where I'm supposed to be. Be patient. Be patient. Endure. Stay there. It might not always be comfortable. It might not always be easy. Stay there. Don't yield to something else. Wait. One last thing. It's only 7 o'clock in Colorado. The upper room. Where did Jesus take them? He said, go up there and and go to a place, go to a house where there's a a dinner table. Most theologians say that place, the Last Supper, and and the, uh, uh, the, uh, the upper room, same place. Same place. So he goes to the upper room. What did he say? He said, wait. Wait there until you're endued with power from on high. Let me tell you where your power is going to come from. Your abiding. Your power is going to come from your abiding. The reason you're powerless is because you haven't plugged in. The reason you're powerless is because you haven't charged up. The reason you're powerless is because you're not filling yourself up. He said, wait upon me and you will renew your strength. You shall mount up with wings as eagles. You shall run and, and, and not fail. You'll walk and not fail. You, you'll have life. You'll have energy. You'll leap over walls. Just wait upon the Lord. I waited patiently upon the Lord. And he heard me. And he delivered me out of a miry pit. Listen, watch. Even in a miry pit, you wait on the Lord. You can abide in Jesus while you're in prison. You can abide in Jesus while you're being persecuted. He was in the miry pit, but he couldn't get himself out of it. But as he waited upon the Lord, he inclined to him. He heard his cry, and it brought him up out of a horrible pit. You see, it brought the power of God. One last definition of abide is to withstand withstand now we have the mindset of withstand is is to resist things resist the devil and he'll flee from you submit to God resist the devil and he'll flee from you right but I want you to turn the word around because it still does the same thing stand with stand with God in every situation. I don't care what a politician says. I don't care what a false prophet says. I don't care what a a, a soothsayer says. You stand with God. You stand with this word. You You abide in the word. He said, if my words abide in you, if you abide in my word, the promises are all held in the abiding. Lift your hands up. Perhaps you got an invitation tonight. He said, I didn't know this. I've never heard this before. I want to try to abide in him. I want to, I want to, you can do that by faith. Just like you walk down the aisle tonight, you can do that by faith. Perhaps you're saying, man, I forgot all about it. I haven't been thinking about abiding. And oh my goodness, I need to abide. I need to get my mind back in the dwelling place of God. I need to get my heart back in that place. That's right. That's it's your invitation. Come on. Come on in. Maybe you knew it. You said, I just want to go deeper. I want to draw closer. I want to abide closer to him. He's rearranging furniture right now, friends, setting things in place. And he's saying, I invite you. So if that's you tonight, and you're saying, I want to abide in Christ, whether you are just meeting him tonight, whether you're getting close to him, whether you've known him for years, but you want to abide in Christ, just lift your hand. My eyes are closed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not checking on This is you and him. 
and say, Lord, tonight I choose to abide, to dwell in you. I desire to be fruitful and to bring you glory. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you his peace, peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may the Lord find great delight in you and may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you and may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.